Hi, I'm Michaela, a psychotherapist. Hi, I'm Savannah, not a psychotherapist. Welcome to our podcast, Be You, Find Happy. Real life conversations about life and the pursuit of happiness. Hello, podcast listeners. I am so happy to have you back this week. And if you haven't yet, please give us a like, a comment, or just shoot us a voice message via the Anchor app. We love your feedback. This week, I have Pitch Pine Pottery on the podcast. That's a mouthful. And let me tell you, their story is so inspirational. If you've ever felt unhappy in your day job and feel like you need something else, like a creative outlet or that you're just not living your truth, this story will inspire you. These two have been broken down so many times and they still bounce back stronger and stronger. And now they have a flourishing, growing, beautiful, amazing, lovely pottery business. And their art is truly spectacular. This is Tara from Pitch Pine Pottery. Hello. Hi. Hi. That was the smoothest one yet. Was it really? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, awesome. (laughs) So so good to connect with you. On, yeah, uh, thank on you. Podcast. Yeah, thank you for awesome. having me. <laughs> and I wasn't sure if your husband was coming along today. Um, he is not. He's actually busy this morning. It's just me. Good. That's great. That's awesome. So um, I I just have so so many like super exciting questions and stuff, but I want to tell you first that I have quite a few of your of your art pieces and oh. I love them. Oh, thank you so much. That is. Oh, that touches my heart. <laughs> I get the biggest compliments on them too. I mean, Aww. yeah, I have one that lives in our cab over. And so I'm always taking it out. Like when we're on camping trips, you know, and, and we're usually with other people and stuff and they're like, Oh, that mug is awesome. Where did you get it? So, oh, that is so cool. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I have the, uh, the mermaid one for, uh, for camping. Mm-hmm. And then I have the, uh, the ocean waves one. Oh, awesome. And the story about that one is, I think, so I think I tried like five times to get that mug. It kept selling out. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. And so I finally was like ready right when you said that there was going to be a store launch. And I was like ready to go right then. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. I'm glad you got one. Yeah, it's it's been getting harder and harder um, for people. And I feel awful about that. But it's also really cool. Oh, I think it's, I think it's great. I think that, I think that makes them so much more special and you, yeah. you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I love that. And then if I don't get it, I'm like, well, that, that piece of art wasn't meant for me, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. And then I feel like everyone that's sort of complained in the past that, you know, they were having trouble, they do eventually get one and then they're so thankful and makes me feel really good because I try so hard, you know, to make enough, but it's just me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so that's what I really want to talk to you about. So uh, can you just give like a quick introduction for, for who you are, Tara, and tell the listeners a little bit about you? Yeah. Um, so my name's Tara Brault. Um, I own Pitch Pine Pottery with my husband, Matthew. We started it, um, I think it's like three or four years ago now and it's just a little pottery business we make everything at home and we sell only online right now but we're hoping to change that up in the future and um, we use Instagram like a lot of people do for um, our social media to reach our audience and um, all of my pottery for the most part is carved I use a process called scraffito Um, so I put a lot of different designs, uh, usually animals and nature scenes on my pots. 
And uh, yeah, that's the gist of it. Oh, I just, I love that. And so I'm thinking if you say three or four years, that's like literally about how long I've been following you. Yeah. Like, well, the mermaid pieces and the waves, like those are some of my earlier designs. So yeah, Yeah. that's a a while back. (laughs) I'm like, wow, I think I've been following her since like probably pretty early on. Fantastic. Yeah. So I remember, (laughs) I remember following you for quite some time and then you, you did a post about how you kind of got started Mm -hmm. and it was something to the effect of finding a kiln in a in in like a barn or something can you explain how that all happened or what happened there yeah um so that was kind of like the turning point for realizing that I could actually make pottery for a living um I started ceramics in college I was kind of lost in college and was pursuing all these different art mediums and just couldn't find myself and I took a ceramics class and that kind of changed everything for me I just I fell in love with it and everyone including my professor really doubted me not like my skills but doubted that I could do anything with this degree other than teach and he was urging me to get my master's but I was done with school I was in college for five years (laughs) I was all set so I just, I left and I still, I didn't touch clay for a couple of years. I was nannying, just trying to make rent and pay my bills. And um, my husband was actually doing an apprenticeship at a local museum. He was learning to become a blacksmith and they also had a pottery department and there was a position that opened up. So he let me know. And I was terrified. It was specifically making pots in front of people and educating them about the process and I was I was horrible like I I knew I wasn't good so I was like no I don't know about this and he urged me he was like you gotta put yourself out there like this would give you such a great experience you'd be able to practice every day because I didn't have a wheel at that point right right so I interviewed I brought like all of my college pottery that I had made in boxes to show everyone like hey I can make pots and um, I got the job and I wow. I worked with two other potters there um, Ron Dean was like the master potter he'd been doing it for 40 40 or 50 years and um, he's a potter on the Cape Cape Cod so I learned mostly under him and I owe everything to that job it I got to practice every day and I got to learn how to talk about what I was doing and put myself out there I was so uncomfortable and so bad but he saw something in me and he also was making a living with pottery, um, not on social media, but like through shows. So he was teaching me about how to actually do it. And I saw that it was possible. Um, so I was there for two years and then it's a long story getting to the kiln. I'm sorry, but. (laughs) Oh no, absolutely. This is fantastic. And I'm jotting questions as you're talking actually. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, So I was there for two years. I learned so much and things started going kind of poorly with the job itself. We went through a lot of different changes with management and it became a really honestly hostile workplace. There were a lot of different artists and departments and a lot of conflicts. And with the changes of management, um, people were getting fired, let go without reason, um, oh. a lot of unfair treatment. Um, it just went downhill. And yeah. um, Matt worked with me and he ended up losing his job. 
Um, so, and I kept mine, which was really difficult. Yeah. Yeah. So, I can only, Cause he got you the job. Yeah. He got me the job and he had been there at that point for four plus years, I think. So he lost his job right around Christmas of 2015, I believe. Um, so we went through a really hard time. He was struggling to find work. He did find work under the table and then wasn't paid. Um, so we were really struggling that Christmas and we were about to owe rent and we couldn't pay it. And we were borrowing money from uh, his, his sister for groceries. It was just a really hard time. And so this place that we were living, um, we had moved in just a couple months before that. And our landlord had shown us this little shed that was next to the house that had housed all sorts of knickknacks from over the years because he, he rented out his farmhouses. We were living on a farm. And um, yeah, there was a kiln in there. <laughs> uh, so, on the East Coast, right? On yes. The East Coast and, yeah, yeah. So this is back in Massachusetts. Massachusetts. This in, right. Yeah, this was in Buzzards Bay. Um, so that for a couple months, I known that there was a kiln sitting in that area. Um, wow. But I was terrified to use it. It was like 30 plus years old. It was, it's an electric kiln, but it was manual. So there was a lot of like learning how to flip switches at the right time. And oh my, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was complicated. I'd never used that before. So I was terrified. Um, but I just, at that point I was like, I, I think I could maybe, sell some of my stuff maybe I could for the holidays because it was around that time I thought you know why not put stuff up on Etsy and see if it sells so (laughs) I I got the kiln hooked up we moved it from that shed to my landlord's giant garage and we hooked it up there now is it something where like because it was so old it could have like burst into flames or something like that I wasn't sure (laughs) Um, (laughs) technically no I mean there could have been like some electrical issues going on Um, but I had my mentor, um, Ron Dean kind of look at things and talk to him over the phone. And he assured me that I wasn't going to blow anything up (laughs) for yourself. Yeah. (laughs) I actually, the first time I fired it, I, I had my mom over and my sister and we literally just sat and watched it for a few hours, just stared at it. (laughs) I was terrified, but we did, we got it working and I figured that all out, taught myself and I sold some of my pots and I was able to make up rent and pay my sister-in-law back and Matt got a job shortly after a really great job and things kind of took a bit of a turning point for us there but I was still working at that museum um, for several months after he was let go and things continued to get worse and worse I was really unhappy coming home you know just crying to my mom I can't do it and she was urging me to make a change but didn't really know what it was for me And um, I just thought back to that Christmas of how I had sold things. And I said, you know, I think I'm just, I think I'm just going to try it. So I did something that I don't recommend. I I quit on the spot one day. I had had enough. (laughs) Um, My manager said something to me and it was just, it was too much. And I I thought about it for the rest of the day. And uh, I told one person before I left, I said, you know, I don't think I'm coming back. And he knew and he was just like, that's okay. Yeah, do what you got to do. Yeah, yeah. So I I just collected myself and took a few of my things home. And I I just wrote an email to all of my bosses. I had three at that point. 
and just, you know, apologized, but said, you know, I, I don't agree with what's going on and I can't come back. So I had every intention of finding another job. I applied to a few places and I didn't get them. So I just kept up with the pottery <laughs> and wow. I, um, I got my first wholesale order. Um, it was big to me. It was like 30 pieces, but I thought that was great. And I had at the same time that that wholesale order was due and I needed to deliver it, the kiln malfunctioned. Oh no. Yeah. It just, it wouldn't shut off and I couldn't figure out what was going on. Oh no. And I thought all my pieces were like melted and the kiln was ruined. And I was like, this was a mistake. What have I done? But, um, I, I was able to figure it out through help from Ron and YouTube (laughs) and um, it was a simple fix. And then I learned how to like actually fix that kiln. And I started because it was so old. I started like scouring Craigslist and finding either the same kiln or a similar one and replacing its parts. And I just kept it going and I kept pitch pine going. So it just kind of grew from there. I, I, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking about how you must have felt so defeated at times oh, and yeah. then just kept kind of pushing through and, and kept getting drawn to really this natural gift or talent that you have. And I can see how, um, you know, you, you hear often about like the life of a starving artist or a starving musician or a starving, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. That's definitely not like financially the easiest route or the easiest journey. And I think a no. lot of people that follow you now probably see your success without knowing that backstory of yeah yeah we had a roommate through all of that I mean Matt and I that was the year that we got married was the year that I started Pitch Pine and we had a roommate in this tiny tiny little house and I was struggling you know to make my side of the rent and the bills and it was a very interesting year (laughs) but it was a struggle What's so neat to me, though, is how if that is your passion and that is your calling, it it still finds ways to kind of eke back. And it and it seems to almost be like helping you along. You know, when you said your mom, your mom was encouraging you to do something different, but you Mm -hmm. didn't know exactly what I think a lot of people feel that Mm -hmm. that they're not in the not living their truth, that they're not um, engaged in what brings them the most happiness, but Mm -hmm. they're afraid to really kind of take that leap 100% and put themselves out there like that. Yes. And I mean, I don't recommend just quitting your job on the spot. (laughs) Um, But you do have to try to pursue those things, you know, while you're unhappy, just try to do things on the side. And that's kind of where I started was just, you know, making pots for me and with the intent to eventually sell. But I just I didn't really know how I I had had an Etsy, I think, since it like first started open. It opened, um, right, <laughs> like two thousand nine. Yeah, I I found Etsy when I was like eighteen years old. And I was like, this is amazing, and I was making like, uh, I found refurbished jewelry boxes, and I would paint them and like refabric them and do all sorts of things. Some I'd sell those, and I made jewelry just because I like I had to. I had like a need to make things. I did uh I did greeting cards on Etsy for oh, oh no way that's awesome <laughs> I did I did I was like at the time a stay-at-home mom and people would say oh my gosh your you know your the phrases you use those should be in cards and so I yeah. did it for a small period of time it was it was kind of fun but <laughs> it is fun it's just fun like making something and putting it out there it's it's scary but it's fun 
It is. You know, when I, um, when I was a little girl, my mom, um, and my aunt were really into, um, ceramics in the way it, it was called toll painting, I think is what they called it okay. back then. And we would go to this place and sit and paint. And it was some of the best, the smell mm-hmm. of the, the paint and everything was just some of the best memories of my life. And Aww. then when my son was little, I would take him and we would do the handprints or whatever yeah. and paint them or do little, little things for gifts at Christmas time and stuff. And, um, I, I just think that it's, it's such a unique way of expression. And, and even in your photography of your art, your, yourself comes out so passionately. Uh-huh. Thank um, you. It's really beautiful. It, it's really beautiful. So having followed you for a while, um, you know, I noticed in Massachusetts, you had a lot of inspiration from the outdoors mm-hmm. in the way of, you know, creatures and, and things like that. How, how do you connect your creativity and nature like that, like the bees and, and different things that you do um, on the actual, as far as the art on the actual ceramic. Yeah. So it's a huge influence um, on my work and on me and Matt. We both grew up spending as much time outside as possible. And I think if I didn't pursue any type of art, I would have pursued something with animals and either researching or helping them. So it's always been kind of a passion of mine. And I feel like I could just sit outside and just stare at like the little bugs, the birds, whatever comes across. Like I'm content just sitting there and watching. And it definitely has influenced my art because it's just, it's another one of my passions. Um, we we would get along well I, <laughs> people literally call me weird because I can sit on the top of a mountain or in my backyard or whatever and just watch the chickens or watch yeah. the dragonflies or watch the <laughs> it's fascinating we, we rescued a goose <laughs> from the road last night oh, so. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah but uh yeah and people say you're so weird and I'm like no it's a spirit animal it's coming to send me a message <laughs> yeah I feel like I mean I'm not like too into the chakra stuff and and that sort of thing but like yeah but like I do I mean animals have a soul animals have feelings and I just I love watching like their movement their habitat I love reading about them so usually before I make like a new design I'm researching the animal like crazy and you know just trying to learn about it so like I'm I'm redoing my orca design and I've been reading mm. about whales and I refuse to watch blackfish because I know I can't make it through but I've been doing a lot of reading about it and yes um, it's a great movie no oh, I know I have to watch really it good. but I just I know I'm gonna like, it's gonna take a couple days and I'm gonna be a mess for a couple days yes <laughs> uh then definitely don't watch a dog's purpose or a dog's journey oh no oh, boy. <laughs> yeah that was a tearjerker um so you know it's one thing I think too like I love looking at the animals and stuff but then to try to draw one <laughs> you know how do you I mean just drawing an animal is is a talent in and of itself but then to draw it on clay yeah it's a whole other thing and I'm still like that's a skill that I'm really trying to develop um because I started out with painting and drawing in college those were kind of my focuses and my professors wanted me to pursue it but it was kind of kind of boring to me (laughs) and I I wanted to do something else I just didn't know what it was and um when I tried ceramics wheel throwing was actually the hardest thing like any art medium that I've ever tried and 
that's kind of what made me want to pursue it was just like, I've got to get good at this and I want to, I want to make things. So yeah, transferring that skill from being able to draw or paint into the clay is just, it's a whole other experience and clay offers a lot. There's a lot of different decoration methods you can use and I'm still learning about all of those. Like I'm trying to incorporate some kind of like watercolor aspects into my work now and really trying to hone in on the carving skill because I, I just really want to get better. I want to grow that. But it's it's very different from like sketching a design out on paper and then trying to put it on this, you know, curved surface and it crumbles and it's moving as you're as you're etching it in there or whatnot, right? Is that how does that process work? So I'll make the pot on the wheel and then I let it dry, usually for about a day. Um, trim, put the handle on, and then I paint a layer of slip over it, which slip is just watered down clay, but it has colorants in it. Mm. So I use black mainly. Um, so when I'm carving out, um, I'm carving through that layer of the black into of the, the white. Okay. Yeah. Okay. To the clay beneath it. Yeah. When you do the videos, they're so mesmerizing when you put the videos in your stories. Oh, yeah. I like to show the- like, I mean, I usually do a sped up version because it usually takes quite a bit longer, (laughs) but I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. But I I like showing that part of the process. It's really neat. Yeah. I think those are some of the best. um, I don't know. It's neat to see the behind the scenes and even your expression. Sometimes when you're, when you get your face in there of how, how focused. Oh yeah. Yeah. I get very serious. (laughs) Yes, yes. Well, what are you thinking about when you're in your creative mode? What What's going through your mind? Um, It depends on the day, I guess. But usually my mind's wandering. Um, all sorts of things <laughs> of like, oh, I got to do this next. And um, usually thinking about conversations I've had. I, I overanalyze everything. So I'm always overanalyzing conversations. <laughs> um, sometimes I'm listening to podcasts or listening to shows or movies or music. But for the most part, my mind is like off of the clay. My hands kind of have a mind of their own now. They know what to do. And I wow. can just kind of like zone out and think about whatever I want, which is really cool. It's very meditative. It's Yo, yeah. Absolutely. It's meditative to watch. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> is to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, when I write, it's my, my husband often says it's like I'm there, but I'm not there. Like I go somewhere else and mm-hmm. um, it kind of unfolds. It's, it's almost like, like what you're describing. My hands are doing their own thing. They're just clacking away on the keyboard, but it's like, I'm watching a movie in my mind. Yeah. Like, it's, it's an interesting, like juxtaposition between real world and, and like, and make believe. Yeah. It's somewhere <laughs> in between. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, one thing I think about with any artist is the, this notion that you have this living legacy that's, that's going to continue on in the world um yeah long after you're gone what what do you think about that about the idea that this art that you're creating it becomes a part of people's lives and their homes and their memories really I mean my cup is my cup is tied to so many camping trip memories now wow you know how do you feel about that it's trippy (laughs) it's trippy um I mean I get these really lovely messages from you know every once in a while um, on Etsy or Instagram of people saying how something affected them, how it touched them, how it reminded them of a memory. And 
it just, it connects back to me because it, you know, I've, I've made these things because they're my memories too and hopes and dreams. And it's just like this major connection to someone else that, you know, I hope is there, but when someone actually says that to me, then I'm like, wow, it really is there. Even if people aren't, you know, messaging me constantly, I know that they're getting their packages and they're feeling something. And then with, yeah. with pottery, I mean, if you take care of it, it's not going to go anywhere. It's going to, you know, live long past all of us. It's an heirloom. It could be passed down. So it's crazy to think it's of like, you know, about. 50 years from now or when I'm dead, <laughs> like someone's grandchildren, you know, is going to have this mug and it's wow. signed by me. That's really crazy. That's, that's like a really crazy thought. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. And, and, um, I do think that it is such a personal thing like each one is unique they were all it's not like these are mass produced for target or something like yeah, that you yeah. know they're they're like a bit of you in each mug and they're also unique I know that I know that my waves mug has been featured in many insta stories uh, <laughs> that's you know, awesome. just mornings that I was doing certain things or whatever and like oh this coffee looks so great today I would take a picture of it <laughs> yeah I love it when people do that I love when they share like their little bit of their morning and my my mug is there or a dish or something and I get to see it like in its new home it's it's really cool That is really a cool thing. I I can't believe that. that note of um you know your uniqueness and and your individuality and all that I remember this was a couple years ago now but I remember you did a post about um copycatters Mm -hmm. and it kind of it kind of struck me because I I was feeling some of that um myself in my own way different things I had going on in my life that um you know, the mimicking kind of behavior and like, come up with your own gig, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Have um, an original thought. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, my husband told me, he said, um, they're just like a blind squirrel trying to find a nut. Oh, and I, I liked that. I actually, it made me have some empathy and like picture a cute little squirrel, like just trying to get a little nut, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, but how, what does originality mean to you and how do you encourage others to find it? How do you deal with people who are copycatters? What that's gotta be big in your world. Yeah. Um, so for the most part, it's not something that I talk about a whole lot. So I think the post that you're talking about, I had had like a bad experience with trying to privately talk to someone about how, you know, their very clear copying of my work was affecting not necessarily my business at that point, but me emotionally. And that clearly like they were inspired by it and maybe looked up to me. And so I wanted them to like reevaluate and realize that they weren't being fair to me or to them. And the conversation just didn't go well, which was upsetting because I really felt like I had handled it great. It was private. I wasn't like trying to embarrass them because I've actually been on the other end of things where I've been accused and I know how that feels. So I don't want to make someone feel awful. I just want them to reevaluate. 
And I think that most people don't do it maliciously. There's a lot of people, sure, that do. But for the most part, yeah, like, they're just trying to find their own style. And I've been through that, too. And I think, like, the issue now is with social media, with, like, everything being so accessible and so easy. And a lot of people are trying to learn online, which I think is fine. But I think they're trying to learn from their favorite artists and then mm-hmm. in turn they're like emulating them and not really turning that inspiration into their own you know their own work their own interpretation of that and it turns into copying right and I think most people do know like oh this is too close this is a copy but they just hope that they get away with it like either they're too small of an account or too big of an account Um, right right. like no one's gonna say anything but yeah I just I think if you're a real artist that there's something inside of you that like you have to create you have to make you're overflowing with ideas you don't even know where to start and you take that inspiration that you see other people making and you really do turn it into your own where it's just completely recognizable as you so no go ahead (laughs) No, I was just going to say, I, I, I can, I, what you're talking about in the way of people who are maybe lost and stuff like that. Um, what, it, how did you find your way? You kind of described feeling in that space um, in the early years. How did you find that maybe nature was your thing or how did, how did you kind of come to your style? Did yeah. it just kind of naturally unfold or? It did a little bit, but I also in the beginning did a ton of custom work. And that's where I started. You know, it it didn't start out with, I just get to make what I want and it all sells out and that's great. It didn't happen for me. I had to, you know, accept all these different types of custom orders where I was creating someone else's vision. And it's really tough doing that, but it helped me weed out what I liked, what I didn't like, and then take me down different directions where someone did ask for like a, you know, a black and white scurfido design basically. And it was like a click moment of like, whoa, okay, yeah, this is me. And then I start, you know, only doing that particular style and saying a little bit more no to other things. Mm, okay. Um, but it was hard because for me, when I quit my job and started Pitch Fun, I did have an Instagram. I did see a few artists that were using Instagram to sell. And I thought to myself, like, this is how I'm going to do it. But I had to unfold and find my style in front of Instagram, which was really hard. Right. So it took a while and it took a lot of trial and error, a lot of messed up pieces, a lot of custom orders before I found it. And you have to put in the work. And that's the part that's frustrating is when you see someone, you know, that copies your design, your shape, your glazes, and they didn't put in the work to figure that out. They looked at yours, you know? Uh, yeah, that's so frustrating. Yeah. I feel like there's a very fine line between flattery and downright copying. Yes, <laughs> it is a fine line. And I know it's tough, but for me, it's like, if I see something and it makes me do a double take, it's too close. If someone sends me a message and says, is this your work? And it's not, it's too close. Those are kind right. of my two parameters. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, and I even know, I see this even, um, you know, on a, like maybe not such a creative scale, but even just with people's homes and stuff, like mm-hmm. copying, 
kitchen remodels or copying different, you know, things inside the house. And there's like a fine line between like, oh, I really like how you put that pot up on this thing with this light shining up mm-hmm. versus like, I'm actually going to go get that pot and that plant. And like- yep, exactly. <laughs> and do it all exactly the same. And it's just now a cookie cutter thing with no soul because they just, you know, they didn't, they didn't put the thought into it. It didn't have that feeling behind it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's an interesting thing. So your art has changed a little bit, I've noticed, and 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 maybe you agree or maybe you disagree since you moved to New Mexico. Oh no, I agree. <laughs> okay, so so what brought you to New Mexico, and uh, how has your art changed from that? Oh, big long story again. Um, <laughs> so we, Matt and I, both grew up in Massachusetts. Um, we lived there most of our lives. And had never really traveled extensively. Um, but we felt like something was missing. Like we we did get married. And we had this cute little apartment. We had the start of Pitch Pine. So you'd think like, oh, we'd be so happy. And we were. But we definitely felt like something was missing. And after we got married, we, um, we eloped with a couple of friends in the mountains in New Hampshire. Nice. Yeah. And then we the next day we flew to Iceland and we camped up and down the West coast for like two weeks. And that experience really kind of shook us up of like, this is a big world and we need to see more of it. So when we got back, we just, is is Iceland the green one? I forget. It is green. Yeah. I mean, it gets cold, um, (laughs) but yeah, it's very green. Okay. (laughs) Um, So when we got back, we were just like, we got to go places. We got to, you know, find what's missing. And you know, a whole bunch of other things kind of led us to New Mexico. And it turned out I had friends here that I knew on Instagram. So we reached <laughs> out and um, they're like, yeah, come stay with us. We'll show you around. So we did that in 2017. And um, again, just kind of like an aha, it all clicked moment. We're like, wow, we got to we got to get out here. So the next year and a half or so was us planning on how to do it how to do it you know intelligently um with moving this business which it may be small but like we've got kilns we've got wheels and clay and all sorts of things that we had to move wow so, yeah so it was a big it was a big deal typical. <laughs> yeah well so, plus he he did forge forging stuff right? yeah he was blacksmithing for a while um and unfortunately we had to like make some decisions there so he left all of his equipment minus some smaller tools and um, that was also kind of a turning point for him because his role in the business was changing um, and now he does my photography Um, which is very good it's very good I anything he picks up he just excels at he's annoyingly good at everything (laughs) (laughs) my my husband is a machinist so um yeah and my son and my husband love like the forged and fire show and all that we live in gold country and so there's like a lot of the original blacksmithing shops down here and stuff that is so cool and yeah they love to to go check those out and all of that yeah um, it's an amazing craft really it it really is a super talent especially because it's so hot yes it is hot. <laughs> is the kiln that hot or not really um it yeah it gets really hot um but everything's enclosed so you don't really it'll throw the heat and if like there's not proper ventilation you can feel a room really heat up but it i'm firing to about 2200 degrees wow um so yeah it's hot inside <laughs> and like if you touch it it's hot yeah I'd be so scared. 
(laughs) (laughs) I was at first. Now that, like, I have taken these kilns apart, I have put them back together. I know how they work. I'm not afraid of them anymore. It's interesting how that happens when we become so intimately involved in something. Yeah. I know it sounds crazy, but when I first got chickens, I was kind of afraid of them. (laughs) (laughs) Even though I raised them from baby chicks, I was just kind of fearful of like their claws and their funky feet and their beaks and their yeah, they're like little their... dinosaurs yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know I've been I've been raising chickens now for like I don't know six seven years so wow. now I mean I'm rescuing a goose with road rash off the side of the road and it, it, you know it's the Aww. same kind of thing it's like I'm not afraid of of that now and so I can see how with time you it becomes kind of like second nature yeah yeah it does it you battle your fears you face them so you guys loaded up the kiln (laughs) and trucked it across the U.S. yeah so we um we ended up renting a pod because we couldn't fit it in our little car (laughs) and we have two of them actually really go figure yeah um so we shipped a pod with like our clothes the kilns some pottery stuff and then we drove out here uh with the cats and yeah, we just, we had set up an apartment. We're renting a house, but we set it up all through the internet, which was horrifying, but um, it, all, it worked out. It wasn't a scam. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So we, we just decided to do it. And like our one stipulation before we left Massachusetts was to just have like our financial affairs in order. So we, you know, wanted to make it through the holiday season. We wanted to save up. My big thing was that I wanted to pay off my student loans. And it was kind of like a, it was a financial thing for us, but also like a sticking it to my professor and anyone else that said like, I wouldn't be able to make a living with ceramics. couldn't do it. Yeah. Well, (laughs) guess what? Like I paid off my loans with ceramics, you know, with my pop. Isn't that funny? The motivation that comes from being told you can't do something. Oh, it's my biggest motivator. (laughs) I know I'm going to have a bestseller and it's, and it's going to be to put a finger up to all the people that said I wouldn't yep exactly (laughs) yep so we got out here and it was um kind of a a lot longer to get set up and situated and acclimated to everything because we went from sea level to we're at like 7200 feet holy moly yeah so that does affect you um it it uh gave us some insomnia um did it change the way the kiln would work and stuff um, I don't, not really... I don't think so with the kilns, but okay. it, it did change some aspects to things like anything that we get shipped here, um, because it's going through the elevation process usually ends up like exploding when we try to open it. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so oh, stuff yeah. like that. Um, but yeah, to get back to like how it changed my work, one of the reasons we also came out here was because we both suffered from, um, seasonal depression in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just a very... It can be a very dark place a lot of the year. And um, we've kind of pinpointed that that was a problem of ours when we came out here and saw the sunshine. And like, I think we really need to make this change for ourselves. So coming out here with the light, all the colors, everything so vivid, it did make me want to add more color into my work. And on top of that, there's a whole host of new plants and animals to be inspired by. So that's Mm -hmm. definitely, I'm trying to like rein myself in most days because I'm like (laughs) freaking out over all the things I want to make, but yeah, it's definitely impacting. And then the other part to it is I think that my work 
actually does fit in better here because I've had people comment saying on some designs like, oh, I, I love how New Mexico has influenced your work. And at first I'm like, huh? because it's a, a design that I've been making for years that I made back in Massachusetts. But right. then I, I realized like it's because it fits in here. It's because it, it stands out in this environment. Yeah. But fits in at the same time. Um, and I just think it's it's more relatable here. You just posted one that I'm like, oh my gosh, I love it. And I missed the sale this week, but it was, uh, um, it, it was like a wavy kind of multicolor, like there wasn't any actual animal or anything like that. Just glaze. It, just glaze. Oh, it was so pretty. I was like, wow, is that an original design or is that New Mexico? Is that like the orange and teal? Yes. Yeah, yes. that's that's New Mexico. That's me like really experimenting with um, glaze and colors because I wanted something super vivid, especially for this summer. Um, it's gorgeous. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I, I really, I love that piece. I'm definitely going to make a ton more. I would love a bowl like that, like a whole bowl, yes. you know? Yes, yes, yes. It's so pretty. <laughs> I, I, my husband's probably like, how many more mugs do you need? <laughs> um, there's no limit in my opinion. One for every day of the month. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's where um, we're at. <laughs> and I'm always so afraid. Like he's my, my husband is famous for taking a cup of coffee and then in the truck with him and then to our shop, all of our mugs wind up at the shop. <laughs> Literally he had mine in his hand and I'm like, put it down. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like absolutely not. You are not even don't think about it. You know? Yeah. I've had customers tell me that they have like a special shelf or hiding place and that like they tell yeah. their children and husband, they cannot use it. And it cracks yes. me up, but I understand like it's, it's a little piece of art. I get it. <laughs> And so even if the housekeeper is coming over or something like that, it's like put away in a special spot so she doesn't try to like wash it or drop it or. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's crazy, but it's true. I love, I love that kind of stuff though. When I went to Costa Rica, a person, um, a native there made me a bowl out of wood and I watched the process oh, of wow. the whole thing. Yeah. And then, you know, they start it. And then by the time you're done, like visiting the, the plantation and everything, then they're done with it. But um, it's such a special bowl. You know what I mean? It, it it has such more meaning than just, like I said, something from the shelf in Target. Kind oh, of thing. definitely. Yeah. You saw the hands that made it, you know? Yes, exactly. So, uh, so how many pieces can you make in like one session and how long is a session? Mm. Hmm. So because of my training at the museum that I worked at, it was definitely like a production setting. Okay. So I make things a lot faster and more efficiently now. Thank goodness. Um, yeah, <laughs> all because of that job. Um, but it changes. I think the most I've ever made, like in one day of throwing, was about 120 pots. Oh, wow. I don't, again, necessarily recommend that because, because of the nature of ceramics. Like the clay is going to dry. And if you don't have enough time or the right environment in your studio to get to things that need to be trimmed or you need to put handles on or whatever, it can be a difficult thing to do. So I try to spread it out more um, these days and I make about 30 a day. Um, and that usually takes me about an hour and a half to two hours. And I also have been trying to slow down a bit more because I realize if I spread it out this way, I don't need to be pushing myself as hard. Right. So right. about 30 a day. Um, lately, I've also been trying to throw in a couple more specifically for myself and for like, you know, me and Matt to have some things at home because I 
normally only keep the ones that are like unsellable. So I wanted to make things for us. It's like they say, you know, like the hairstylist has the worst haircut. And all that. <laughs> <laughs> True, I have the worst pots. <laughs> They're all wonky. And like... Yep. Yep. <laughs> Chipped. Um, yep. So um, I also noticed that you you take a lot of care in your packaging process. I imagine that takes a lot of time, too. Yes, and Matt is entirely in charge of that because he's way better at it than I am. <laughs> you, that Everything shows up, like, perfect. No damage, like, really well packed. Yeah, that's all him. Sure. He came up with his own system. Um, so we source uh, newspaper locally, and that's kind of our padding. Um, and then very minimal bubble wrapping. We're trying to like reduce that completely, but it's, it's ceramic. So it's kind of difficult. Um, yeah, especially with the handles on the mug. Yeah. Yeah. We have to really consider, you know, we don't want things to break. So a little experimentation going on there, but yeah, since he started, he took over my shipping well over two years ago and for a solid year and a half, we had zero breakages. Wow. Which was like unheard of because when I did it, you know, there was like one an update maybe and, you know, so like one in a hundred, which is still Mm -hmm. a decent amount. So, yeah, Yeah. he's he's got it down. He's very careful. He he goes through all the orders. He combines them when people order multiples. He's it's his thing and he's incredibly good at it. (laughs) So your business is probably like quadrupled or something more in the last three years then. Yeah, just about. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. That is crazy. I mean, I've even seen your Instagram growth, you know, just in your follower count and stuff. It's crazy. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, there's a lot of luck in that because of the, you know, everyone talks about the algorithm and how it's changed and how you have to adapt to it. And sometimes you're yeah. seen and sometimes you're not, and you could be yeah. doing the same things and it just still doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of effort that gets put into that because we're trying to put out content that we're proud of pictures and messages that we're proud of along with the work right. and, and you don't want it to be unseen exactly yeah. yeah so it's I know people say some people say oh who cares about your likes or this or that and it's like well if that if this is you know a big part of your business it's it's critical it's kind of like your storefront not being seen yes it <laughs> as is someone's walking by it. yeah I mean we yeah. got our start through Instagram so we're very thankful to it but it's changing and that's because like social media has never been here before like it's it's still kind of new and everyone's still figuring out how to navigate it and how it affects our lives and I think we're going to still see a ton of changes with that so mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. a I've seen it too just especially in the month of June they made a lot of changes and yeah they're constantly like updating exhausting <laughs> yes you know? it's like just when you think you have it figured out you're like ah <laughs> yeah and it does it impacts like how we are viewed but thankfully um, it hasn't seemed to impact business, so we're trying not to like worry about that until it yeah. does. But our main goal for Pitch Pine is to open up a brick and mortar shop. So hopefully next year. <laughs> That's that would the goal. be great. Oh my goodness, I've been wanting to come out to New Mexico. Actually, we've been talking about it for a spring break for a while to do the caves. So I might. So hopefully you have a store and I can stop in. <laughs> yes, I would love that. Oh, I just. For me, I mean, pottery is such a tactile thing. Like you need to come in and touch it and see which handle fits you best and see them in person. So I really want to offer that. It's just, it's a, it's a process. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and when you're having a lot of success in the way you're doing it, I know um, I have a lot of friends that have stores and things like that. And they're like, gosh, it was so much easier when I was just an Etsy shop. <laughs> yeah. We're, <laughs> you know, with, <laughs> we're worried without about dealing that. with like, everything else. Yeah. Are we going to regret this move? But 
I think it'll be fun. Like we're well, we're both... it's a lot like Sedona. New Mexico's a lot like Sedona in that way. I think the artist community would yes. appreciate it. Yeah, there's a huge. That's another reason why we came out here was because of the huge artist community. And you know, there's it may seem kind of silly because like, oh well, there's so many artists, so many potters and stuff out there. Why would you go where it's oversaturated? But it's it's actually not. And there's room for everyone. And you know, the tide lifts all the boats kind of thing. Like our success is other people's success too. Wow. I love that. I love that. Um, and then, so in light of kind of all of this Instagram stuff and the packaging piece and starting, you know, potentially a brick and mortar store, how do you, how, how do you handle like burnout or do you ever hit a wall? How do you kind of push through just like the days where you do feel defeated or mm. Matt's a huge help with that. Um, he's, kind of the backbone of this whole process and I was talking to him about this yesterday we were talking about what I was gonna say on this podcast and he got me all emotional because he's like what is my role and I was just like are you kidding me like (laughs) oh my god you're my biggest supporter but he is like he he picks me up whenever I need that and vice versa because we kind of seem to go in cycles where I'm just like no one's seeing our posts and I feel like I put so much effort into this and he's just like honey it's no big deal like you know, we just keep trying and, and I do the same for him, but having someone there that like understands the process, understand exactly what it feels like is a huge help. Yeah. And then motivation wise, I do struggle. Um, I never seem to have like a blockage as far as creativity goes, which may sound like I'm being pompous, but <laughs> I think, I think an artist kind of like has to choose which ideas to focus on first and that doesn't mean that they're all great ideas but for me any kind of blockage usually comes from something going on in my life where like family marriage friendship something's going wrong and it's causing me to lose focus because I can't get my mind off of that other thing Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. has happened in the past where like it really upset my work and we've gone through some you know real stuff as a couple as a family and that sort of thing definitely can cause some upset in the artistic process. So for me, it's always about figuring out how to either handle the situation or get away from it entirely and, you know, realign and meditate and figure out how to center myself again. I love that. As a writer, for me, it's I, I don't really hit a wall or burnout. I just shift the way that I write. Mm-hmm. And um and it is usually from external things that are not, you know, it's never, if I pick up the pen, I I'm going to, there's, there's going to be words flowing. That's, that's going to happen for yes. sure. Yeah. But, um, it, but it's when I start to feel down on the way things are going or not going or, you know, um, somebody else's opinion of what I'm doing or mm-hmm. something like that, that really starts to kind of wear on me. Um, but then I always seem to get a little win. Like, yeah, I, I, I like to say it's like the it's like the perfect drive in golf, you know, that keeps you coming back to the game. <laughs> oh, definitely. That happens for me, too, because, you know, I'll have like a whole load of pots that didn't come out great or that are completely ruined. And then the next load is perfect. And I'm just like, OK, well, this is why I'm doing this, you know, after a moment of like, why, why me? So, yeah, you know, you yes. just if it's something you love, you keep pushing forward. And I definitely think like every month is different. Every year is different. And I have to constantly 
reevaluate how I'm working and what changes I need to make. And that's okay. Like if you need to change your routine, that's totally fine. You do what works for you. Even if it's just that week, that day, that month, whatever, you just mix it up. Exactly. I know. I feel like I, um, I've been, you know, I'll get a lot of rejection on a query letter or something like that for a new novel. And, you know, people don't see that piece of it, but then it's the little win that I get on being on a radio show for a book that I wrote that it's like, okay, I, there is someone who believes in what I'm saying or what I'm doing, you know? And I think those little messages, um, probably mean a lot. Like I know you described earlier when someone says, I love my mug or it, you know, this, this memory is, is what was made with this mug or something like that. Mm -hmm. That's gotta, that's gotta be some level of motivation for you. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Any, anytime I see a message like that, I just, it makes me instantly say like, this is why I do it. This is, it's not just for me. You know, I mean, I think I would, I had a post about this not too long ago. I would definitely still be making pots for myself, even if they didn't sell. But the fact that I can, you know, do this and connect with people is definitely like a huge reason as to why I'm doing it now. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's probably part of the nature of being an artist is that you do want to share it with the world. Yeah. You you do want it to, to have an impact in some way. I know for me, I feel that a lot, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I would still be writing if nobody was reading it. <laughs> yeah, but it's really great to have a response and have someone say like, oh, I related to that. And yeah, makes you yeah. feel really good. <laughs> so on that note, wh- where can people buy your stuff? How can they um, how can they find, you know, the, the upcoming things and the releases and all that stuff? Do you have a newsletter? Is it just we do uh, have a website? Yeah. So pitchpinepottery.com is where you can sign up for our newsletter, which we only do usually one to two emails a month, just letting you know when we're going to be stocking the shop. So normally I work all month making what I can. And then we have a date set that we're going to put it all up at once. And we sell on Etsy. So if you go on Etsy, it's just Pitch Pine Pottery. And um, you'll find our shop. And we usually have a little thing on the banner letting you know dates and times too. And then on Instagram, it's Pitch Pine Pottery. And that's where we're showing a lot of behind the scenes, a lot about our life, um, little clips of my cats and stuff like that. And um, <laughs> and letting people know like what's going to be available and and when. I I've gotten emails when I've been like in a remote trail or up in Alaska on a different time zone or something like that. I'm like, no, what is that? What time is it going to release? Oh no! <laughs> and then I'm like, shoot, I'm not going to have any service. I'm not going to. You know. Oh, but it's, it kind of adds to the fun of it. Really, it does. You know. Yeah, and I think it's really cool. I think it's a really neat selling method. Um, but ultimately, like I I want to expand upon that. I want to have different ways that people can get our work and I think in the future you know as Instagram changes and Etsy and our life like we're gonna have different avenues for people to reach us and different ways to sell and hopefully that shop in person well I love that and I love that you guys even through your changes and your growth and just everything you guys are such beautiful people and and what you're doing is really authentic like you can really feel the authenticity in, in what you guys have going on. And, um, you know, as a long-term follower who doesn't know you personally, I feel like I do, which I think is special. 
Oh, thank you. That's like all that I can hope for. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah, you you guys are great. And I, I love seeing the changes in New Mexico and what's coming out there because I guess I really gravitate towards I like the, the bright colors and, and stuff like that. But uh, it'll be interesting to see the different um, the different styles that that you do as you grow there um, and, and what kind of comes of it. I'm excited to follow. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm trying to like I said to rein it in but I'm gonna be unleashing my creative wrath like <laughs> as, as we uh as we live here and experience things there's definitely gonna be a lot of changes but it's still gonna be me it's still gonna be pitch pine absolutely yeah yeah and then you know one one just kind of personal thing I'd love to see um a story or something on the different styles uh you know, you, you mentioned like graffiti, graffiti or graffiti or what? Uh, scraffito. Scraffito. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I'd love to see a behind the scenes story. on like, this is this style. This is this style and better understand that too. Cause um, I know that it's, it does get complex, you know, it's not yeah. just, it's not just ceramics. It's there's all these different. No, that's technique. That's and, a really great idea. Yeah. To show, you know, what I'm trying to describe. <laughs> yeah. 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 I would love that. I, I would love that. So um, I'll be on the lookout for it. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it just for you. <laughs> oh, I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on the BU Find Happy podcast. Thank you for having me. This was and- really fun. This has been a BU Find Happy podcast. Da, 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 da. <laughs> for more inspiration, check out our links. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.